The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Nine minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Forum at 8 here on SAFM's uh, AM Live. Now, on the Forum at 8 this morning, uh, we look at the gender agenda. Where are women placed in the structures of society? Uh, Do we just view them as domestic workers, as PAs, as our mothers? Or are we seeing them differently in 2014? Do we see women as leaders in this day and age? And in the progress of women towards decision-making positions in business, government and academia continues to provoke a widespread debate. I was just looking at, um, you know, my Twitter feed and uh, there's this tweet here from Erin's master that says... Did you know that 13% of Fortune 1000 boards have zero women on them? And um, if you take into account uh, uh, South Africa as a country and the strides that we have made in terms of uh, bringing women up to speed with regard to the gender agenda, what are your views on that? What do you think we have done well? Where do you think we are lacking? And how do you propose we actually move this debate forward? Considering uh, this, of course, that women make up more than half of South Africa's population. And as of 2013, more women than men were actually registered to vote. But if you look at the parties and uh, the election manifestos, where do women feature in all of this? So uh, that is what we are discussing uh, this morning here on the forum at 8 the gender agenda our lines are open 0891104208 you can call us starting right now and you can also sms us on 34701 tweet or facebook at am live on safm or at sakina kamwendo and i'm going to welcome our guest this morning uh, ms nomboniso kasa who's an independent researcher and analyst on gender politics leadership and cultural issues thank you so much for joining us this morning Thank you very much, Sakina, and thank you um, to the listeners. Um, good morning, everybody. Always a pleasure <coughs> having you. And thank you also to Ms. Janine Hicks, who is a commissioner at the Commission for Gender Equality, who joins us on a landline. And um, uh, thank you so much for your time as well, Janine. Thanks, Sakina. Good morning. Morning, Nomboniso and listeners. And uh, let me start with you, um, Nomboniso, just to start us off. If we can take a snapshot of where women and women's rights, women's issues were in in 1994 and 20 years on in 2014, how far have we come? Well, I think we have come a long way. Women in leadership is no longer as an anomaly as it was before 1994. We have made strides in terms of women's leadership in the public sector, women's leadership uh, particularly in in politics and other areas in our society. Of course, um, that goes with a whole range of other challenges and caveats. For example, um, women continue to have to work in Spaces that are not sensitive or that are not designed, culturally and structurally designed, for their participation. They continue to feel um, excluded. Women who have very specific specific needs, such as you know childcare facilities, such as um, you know having to take um, make decisions rather about when to start their reproductive life and when to start their families, we still find that a lot of women struggle. 
The private sector is indeed a major problem in South Africa as we speak. Um, We had statistics that were released last year, and we saw how women were faring in the private sector. So I believe we've done very well in terms of legislation, in terms of policy. Um, I think that even in the public sector, we have a very serious problem around implementation. We also have political parties that say one thing and speak another. We have also trade union movement, uh, whether you talk about the, the teachers' union, whether you talk about workers' federations and workers' unions, that are incredibly uh, you know, backward, actually, in terms of gender equality, in terms of women's emancipation. Mm-hmm. I want to, later on, to distill the conversation between gender equality and women's um, status in society and women's emancipation because I think we allied and confuse these um, concepts and end up having a conversation that doesn't take us nowhere. I think in a summary, policy-wise, women in South Africa are in a better position than they were in pre-1994. Policy-wise, women... um, are doing very well in terms of legislation, in terms of a whole range of things that affect women specifically, such as, um, you know, gender-based violence, including conjugal rape and so on, that is rape in the home by the husband. Mm. We have all these things recognized in law. Now, the implementation tells us another story. Finally, I do think that South Africa right now, particularly in relation to women, is going through a very serious backlash of misogyny and political parties, including the the ruling party, the major opposition party, the DA, that are in fact not embracing the gender equality agenda, but most importantly, not embracing women's emancipation and women acting in their own way, in their own authority as leaders. And um, I think that's a great way to start it off. And, and, and we're going to come back to that. But I just want to come to Janine. The Commission for Gender Equality has highlighted um, stereotypes and cultural values as some of the causes of gender inequality in South Africa. Do you care to expand upon that? Yeah, thank you. And, and I can only echo the, the points that Noboniso has made. And I think those kind of stereotypes and perceptions are the underlying underlying causes for why we see so few women in leadership positions. Yes, we have more women who are prevalent in society, in whether it's the boardroom um, or in political parties in parliament, yet we're not seeing women in their numbers coming into into leadership positions. There is severe underrepresentation, really, of women. Um, and the institutional culture of those institutions, as Nomboniso has pointed out, is not enabling and supportive for women to advance and progress within those institutions. So you have to look at what are the underlying causes, and it's the big P word, it's patriarchy, it's the attitudes and perceptions towards women's roles within families and, with, and within societies, um, and, and prejudice towards um, you know, really enabling women to fulfill their full potential because of those stereotypes and those values. 
So if you look at where those might be impediments to women, um, whether that's at the local level, for instance, when you're, when you're we're looking to see women standing for election within their local communities, for instance, as ward councillors, that we see few women encouraged to be nominated um, and to stand for election at that level and few women being voted for by men and women within that community because of those values and perceptions of it's better to vote for a man, um, for instance, or that a man would be able to take issues forward more powerfully um, within a local council. Um, and a lot of negative attitudes towards what women's contribution could be. Um, when we talk about, for instance, introducing a quota system to ensure that we have more women in the workplace or more women in political parties and, and in parliament, the reaction that we get from society typically is, oh, but we'll have to do capacity building, we'll have to do training, what about skills? Those sorts of questions are never asked about men. There's an assumption that men are born with the skill set to step into the role of councillor um, as board member. So there are all kinds of assumptions and values that hold women back. Um, and I think we also must take cognizance of issues such as um, gender-based violence, such as sexual harassment. Those are real barriers to women's advancing um, within the workplace, within the education system, for instance. Those impede women's progress um, and prevent them from achieving their full potential. Mm. There's also a lot of misconception about Nomboni. Um, so if you think about uh, you know, uh, gender equality, for example, the minute you mention that, um, inevitably some people think that you mean that men and women are the same. And you know, uh, perhaps it would be worthwhile to just distinguish you know, um, outline the difference uh, in what we mean when we talk about gender equity, gender equality, and women's empowerment. Yes. Well, I think first and foremost, we also need to ensure that we ourselves who are working in this field and who are articulating in this field are very clear about the conceptual stuff. Um, I think that um, gender equality means creating an environment in which um, people's sex, you know, biological beings, is not an impediment, you know. It mm. means that acknowledging the fact that, the, you know, and the reality that the fact that women bear children, that is, carry children for nine months, does not necessarily make them experts or the only ones who have to wash the nappies, you know. Um, so we've got to understand it at that basic level. Mm. So, so gender equality then is, is, is in fact, a lie. It, it actually responds to the structural um, and, 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 and social construction of society, which says that these are women's roles, these are men's roles. Um, and then it says that, well, actually there is nothing really that is specifically inhibiting of women to play certain roles. And because these roles, because this um, inequality um, and this discrimination, and I would take it further and say this oppression of women, uh, because it is structurally constructed, that it can be changed through a structural inter intervention. So that's what gender equality really is. It says that both men and women um, are capable of doing things, but of course they're capable of doing things differently, right? Mm -hmm. And that that difference is, is very, very important to acknowledge. It means that we should um, upgrade, we should create an environment um, that enable both men and women to participate freely in, in a, you know, in, let's say in the boardroom 
and, 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 and all those kinds of spaces. It means that giving opportunity for women to participate in the environment in which they are excluded. Of course, um, as it happens with race, the minute you talk about race and and um, and, and you know and and, and 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 saying you want to address racial inequality, a lot of white people have their backs up because they think that you know a non-racial, a multiracial, a racially inclusive society excludes them. So it is about location. It's the same thing if you were to say you are going to have a program that wants to ensure that we have a society uh, that goes away with the prejudice against LGBTI communities. You'll find that a lot of heterosexual people and so-called progressive people will say, but are all our opportunities going to be taken away by, um, in, you know, in order to favor um, uh, you know, uh, people who are sexually um, different, uh, you know, the lesbians, the gays, and transgenders, and bisexual, and so on, you know. And so, but so what we need to understand by gender equality is that really it creates an environment, a reality, a process, a framework in which men and women can interact and live in society equally. But you cannot have an, an equal participation where the tools and the environment is not, um, you know, a level. So that's what we're talking about, about gender equality. When we're talking about women's oppression, and I want to make it very clear that gender-based violence is something that is part of that, but I, I believe that it's also important to stick with the discourse of violence against women in the same way that it is important to stick with the discourse of violence against LGBTIs, so that we can distinguish between these kinds of violences and, and the way in which people's gender and being is affected. So when we talk about women we are, and women's oppression, we're talking about specific ways in which women are excluded, specific ways in which women are held back, specific ways in which society co- constructs all of us structurally to behave in a particular way. And then finally, I want to make it clear, um, or rather to put, to underline one thing that I think is very important. Not all women are victims. Okay. Uh, uh, well, we, some, some women who mm-hmm. get into positions of power go there and use a masculine leadership. And that's okay. So when we talk about women's empowerment and women's advancement, we also need to be aware of the fact that not every woman who's going to go into leadership is necessarily going to want to push a gender equality agenda or open doors for women. And a lot of women politicians have made a conscious decision in their own uh, politics, in their own lives, that they will echo the dominant um, patriarchal environment in order for them to succeed. And that's a purely um, self-choice and, and, and the way they, in which they've chosen agency. And it is important that we, we don't only say women must, must be included in order for us to change society, that we also need mm. to recognize that women, like everybody else, sometimes will be the ones who block others and betray others, just like men do. 
We're talking uh, the gender agenda this morning and uh, looking at some of the tweets. Well, I suspect that things are going to grow a lot more interesting. 0891 is the number to dial. And you can also SMS us on 34701. Tweet or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And um, I just want to take a, a call quickly before I come uh, back to you, Janine. Titeko is calling us from Mpumalanga. Good morning. Morning, Sakina. Welcome. And, uh, your okay, Sakina, I would just like to make one comment with regard to issues of gender. That is critical. The government has come up with good policies. The employment security act, you name them, there's a whole lot of policies that are in place. But when it comes to implementation, the very same government is not implementing those, 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 those policies. And one other issue is that many uh, Departments, government departments, are struggling to reach the target, the 50-50 target. We are still dominated by, by maids. And secondly, I agree with the previous speaker that the issue of women, once a woman is in power, once a woman is able to claim that ladder, she made it a point that she stands on the way to allow other women to be where she is. So as women, we need to make sure that we, we allow or we create that environment to allow other women to advance, particularly in the private, in the private and public sector. Okay, thank you so much for that input, uh, Diteko. Uh, I just want to read some of the messages because uh, we are coming up to news time. So I'll take uh, your response from our panel after the news break. Uh, Ongama says... Yes, women have made great strides in the workplace, but has that not contributed to the decline of moral fiber due to absent mothers? And a few others here. Mzet one says, let women do what they are good at and not force them to do what men do. We really don't want to play netball. Deco says, a women leadership in South Africa is growing quickly compared to other uh, African counterparts. And Mangoba Mwelasi says, it will be a very sad day um, uh, and ignorant to look at women as household slaves in this day and age. Spiro says um, we are not hearing any voices from women from these women's organizations or activists standing against the likes of uh, Ellen Shabalala, SABC uh, board chairperson and Paniza Lutuli says women want to emulate men sometimes uh, uh, rather than being a woman and they do things uh, and rather do things within your innate strengths and feminine attributes. So those are some of the comments coming through here at the moment. And I know my panel would love to uh, sink their teeth into some of those. Now, Janine, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you'd like to respond to some of the comments that uh, were made. But uh, also in doing so, if you could just, you know, uh, ponder on achieving gender equality and the role that women's empowerment has to play in that Sure. I'd like to pick up on two points, um, Lesejo and, and one of your um, SMS messages or Twitter in relation to um, some of the changes that we're not seeing within society. Um, Lesejo made the point that the state is failing to achieve its own policy target of 50-50 of women's representation in government. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of your messages were in relation to 
you know, we're not seeing changes. We're seeing more women being put into positions, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that we're seeing, you know, more responsive policy that address women's needs. It, it speaks to some of the points Nambonisa was making about the, the difference and distinction between formal equality, the equality of numbers and opportunity that our policies, etc., have ushered in versus the kind of substantive equality or the equal outcomes that we're wanting to see. We can't just assume that because we've got policy in place and framework in place and more women in positions of leadership that we're therefore going to see gender equality and gender responsive um, outcomes flowing from that. We do need to recognize that the playing field is unequal, that there are inherent and fundamental and systemic um, discriminations and inequalities against women, which requires us to treat people differently so that we can have equal outcomes. That's what substantive equality requires, which then brings us to women's empowerment. That is a tool and a measure and a strategy that we can use to say that we do need to address and provide that kind of response to enable women to compete equally and enter into the playing field. And I want to make two points in relation to that. The first is that women's empowerment and the capacity building measures are very important measures. They are important tools and strategies. We do need to address um, and provide those opportunities um, for women. But the question is, first of all, is around what kind of empowerment, what kind of training. Um, I've been at many events um, where we were invited to speak, where we see um, you know, inputs and measures um, where people are talking about how to dress for success and you know, tips on how to carry yourself and how to apply your makeup. You know, what kind of leadership, what kinds of empowerment work? What, what would we like to see money being invested in to enable women to come in in their numbers? Um, and when you look at the Employment Equity Commission had undertaken a study of investment in women's capacity building that enables them to advance, and there is a significant underspend on women and on black women in particular. We're not seeing the kind of executive coaching, the kind of business leadership training that women would require to give them an opportunity to advance, not all women, some women, to advance into those leadership positions. We're not seeing empowerment measures such as you know, the conscious creation of internships and bursaries and learnerships, for instance, to bring women into the, the technical skills arenas, the so-called scarce skills arenas, so that we do have this pool of talented, qualified, competent women who can be appointed. Um, and the critical point there is appointment, because we're spending money, companies are, you know, business is, government is, on providing training for women, but we're not promoting women into positions of leadership. We're not appointing women in those positions of leadership. We're still promoting and appointing men at significant levels um, higher than women. Mm. Um, so that's the one component. Yes, we do need to spend and yes, we do need to then make those appointments so that we see the transformation. But the second point I wanted to make was if we, we must not fool ourselves that we're going to fix inequality by training women, you know, as if the problem, the underlying cause of inequality and underrepresentation is that women don't have the necessary skills and training, and that's why they're not present. We have to recognize that we have to fix those structural systemic inequalities that Nombonisa was speaking to, those institutional cultures and systems, those inherent power imbalances that block um, women out of those systems and out of advancing mm. You know, regardless of how much money we spend on training. 
And, 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 and just staying on that, you know, um, if we look at substantive uh, gender equality and our political discourse, I mean, uh, it, it doesn't really feature very highly. And then also looking at South Africa's parliament, it is one of the most equitable parliaments in the world. Uh, we have, uh, you know, very close to 50-50 representation, and yet we are not seeing these women's issues taking center stage. Why is that, Nomboniso? Well, I mean, I think that we also need to um, disabuse ourselves of the notion that women's issues are women's issues, are mm. uh, only the agenda of women. The fact is this is a political agenda. The fact is that, yes, you need champions for that agenda, and we do hope always that women will be the champions of that, of that agenda, but sometimes they are not. And when you are in Parliament, um, whether you have proportional representation or any or constituency-based system, actually, like you have in Britain, parliamentarians actually push the positions and the agenda of their political parties. So what we really need to also converse about is how do we get the agenda, um, you know, into the major political agenda in the country. And it doesn't matter. I mean, we can look at other examples. You know, you can look mm-hmm. at the environmental agenda. You know, we can look at who are the champions for the environmental agenda. How do you make sure that um, the agenda in terms of poor people um, comes into parliament and comes forcefully? You can only do that when you have champions and champions who can influence political parties. Mm. I mean, recently, about two, a few days ago, um, the Minister of, uh, of, 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 of Human Settlements, um, Minister um, Sisulu, regrettably um, said that people who are the und- of the age of 40 did not experience apartheid, so therefore they are not entitled to houses. That's a very poor people um, policy. That's a very poor people attitude. Of a, l- a large number of, that, of, of those people are women, and a large number of those people are black people. Um, so you can see that you need to have a champion that actually understands the gender, the gender dynamics of poverty, that actually understands that when you have a government that embraces a particular policy, it is not going to be about whether you experience apartheid or not. In fact, that's also even inaccurate what she says, but nevertheless, it shows that whatever the issue that you're talking about, in any category, women form the largest proportion of that. And what is important, therefore, is that we need to try and find ways in which we can influence the political um, decision makers so that they can understand the connection between each and every aspect of what they are saying and how it impacts Mm. on women and how it impacts on the most vulnerable people in this country. And, and, And you see, that's one of the things that I'm grappling with. Why is it that it, it, uh, they find it difficult to actually advance this agenda, given that they find themselves in certain instances in very powerful positions. I mean, um, one immediately thinks of the all-male cabinet uh, that Helen Ziller appointed in the Western Cape, and that obviously didn't go down very well. I mean, was there not an opportunity there to actually advance, uh, you know, the cause of women in this gender agenda, uh, Janine? Certainly. I mean, it, uh, there was a lot of distress and negative reaction around that, and the Gender Commission engaged um, with Madame Zilla and her party in that regard, and there was a you know, very fierce resistance to the notion of 
representation. I, I believe that there is a resistance from that party to the notion of quota. That the you know that their founding principle is on um, on skill and potential and you know for a position. But what is the message that comes out from that? That they weren't adequately skilled or competent women who could take those leadership positions. Um, I think we would argue very strongly that that was inaccurate and that was not the kind of message that could be created. But I, I do think we need to be concerned about a focus on numbers. The numbers are important. They're indicative of the extent to which society and institutions have accepted and recognized um, women's potential for leadership. But I think as Nombonisa is stressing, just putting more women in positions of leadership, that is not a feminist solution. We cannot assume that women are going to be champions of of issues, nor that they're in a position because of their own challenges within their own parties and structures in terms of power imbalances and the need to advance and secure their positions, um, that they're going to be in a position to be able to challenge you know, the, the dominant ideology mm. within the party. And I don't think we should be letting men off the hook. As Nombonisa said, women's issues is not something that we should be relying and, and demanding that women take up. We need men to be champions of these issues as well. It is a societal issue. If we're not seeing women advancing within a society, then our own economy and our own, our own society doesn't advance. Women remain trapped and men remain trapped as well. So we, it's, a, it's an issue that we all need to take on board. We're talking the agenda agenda this morning with Nomboniso Gasa and Janine Hicks. 891 is the number to dial. And let's go to the lines. Len, you're calling from Cape Town. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, two things. Firstly, your young lady on your switchboard needs, uh, needs a bouquet. She is brilliant. Right. Secondly, I'm not a male chauvinist pig as to what I'm going to say. I've listened to all that's gone before with wry humor but I take a far more acerbic view of what has been said. You know, the little saying, the cream rises to the top, should actually apply. It, may, it is absolutely of no consequence as to who is in leadership position, be they male or female, as long as that person is competent. And unfortunately, with the ANC's obsession with race um, and gender, we have landed up in the situation, in my opinion, in a crisis situation where people that have got absolutely no right to be in leadership positions are there simply because of color and gender. And um, just to expand on that, I'll name a couple of ministers, the Minister of Housing, the Minister in charge of the SABC, the Minister in charge of Education. These are jokes. Now, going, moving over to the Helen Ziller thing, maybe Helen Ziller is a, very, a far cleverer lady than people would give her credit for, for the plain and simple reason. She took the cream, ergo, the DA performed far, far uh, better than any other province in South Africa. That's about it. Well, whoa. Okay, we'll get a response to that, Len. Um, and let's go to Craig Hall now. Nina, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Well, and you? Great. Um, there are one or two points, which uh, l- let's see how far I can elaborate on them. I think uh, uh, point one uh, has got to do with the number of women in Parliament and why they haven't been effective. And the simple thing that I'd like to say on that issue is that, in fact, an analysis of that problem, 
in, in great depth would be very helpful in expanding our understanding of what's gone on in this country. In other words, an understanding of what happens um, I'm going to say with the ruling party because it's significant here in terms of majority decision-making. And the fact remains that unless women have a majority in a vote, the majority wins. We know that that's, that's one of the problems that we've seen recently. There, there is not a majority. In fact, there was an issue um, very specifically uh, with the pornography bill, which I could talk to you about uh, and which I know in depth, where this was a problem, the issue of numbers. Um, the other issue is that there has been, and uh, I'm sure everyone is aware of this, there has been a policy that if you don't agree with the majority position, I'm not going to say policy because obviously with the ANC, the policy theoretically is pro-woman. But if you don't go with the majority decision-making, you get kicked out. And there are numerous examples. Um, and Preggs Govender, of course, is one of the people. I'm trying to think of that health minister who also took an alternative position, who ended up not being with us, which is unfortunate. Um, so the, those are one or two. There's a, there's a third point in terms of women in parliament, and that is about uh, loyalties. Loyalty is firstly, in fact, to the party and not to women. Mm -hmm. Secondly, loyalty is to oneself. And that means one can be threatened if one takes up an alternative position. The third loyalty would be to women. And I, I really think that it's, it's absolutely incumbent on everyone, if they want shifts, to become more familiar with the complexities. We can't be simplistic. Obviously, the fourth position is that many, many women, because of our history, have got no idea about what sexism is. Mm. Now, the second point that I'd like to raise is simply about violence against women, which is linked to the issue of budget. If women had any power in this country, we would not have the worst rape rates in the world, the worst femicide rates in the world, number one, because there would be an education across the board on what sexism is. Secondly, though, the truth is, you know, I heard a program last night by a, a person I admire, but it was on femicide, and the last thing that she said was women must leave home if there's any indication that there is violence. Now, the truth is that the way that you solve that, you cannot give that advice if the country does not provide safe homes for the women. So the truth is that there has to be a budget for safe homes. And this is the point. And if women have no, no interest in attacking the budgetary concerns of the government, then you've got the disaster that we have and that will grow bigger. The budgetary concerns, I'm saying the safe houses because it's simple to say. Obviously, gender training is a gigantic issue, which is also very, very costly. But the fact is that the women are trapped. They are living in terror. And I'm talking about black women for the record, because that's what our country is. Okay? And they are living in terror, and I speak to them. Okay. Oh, there goes Nina. Anyway, uh, Nina, I think we got the gist of your uh, input there. Thank you so much for that. Terry Ann, you calling from El Guadini. Good morning. Yes, Craig. Good morning. And Sakine, may I begin by congratulating you 
on the role you take as a woman in, I know, I know you don't do it as a woman, but you are a woman, and you take a very wonderful role in Nolene's program when you come on. Your contributions are really excellent. So thank you, like Terry. Thank you for that. And it's, like, it's nice getting to know you too. It would be nice to see Rowena on the program sometimes so that we know who we're talking to. Okay. And secondly, I'm not, I'm not an over um, fan about feminism as such. What I do like is that the person who takes a job knows how to do it. But I do agree with the last speaker where she speaks about uh, women who are abused and what have you. I think that, to me, I am very negative about that. And certainly, I think something much more should be done about it. Okay. Thank you so much, uh, Terry. And um, uh, just before I go back to the panel, let me read uh, some of the SMSs coming through. Linda in uh, Utrecht says, the the problem with this women empowerment is that it disempowers both men and women because boys and girls are deprived of motherly love and training because mothers are absent. That's from Linda. AB says, to liberate all women fully, we need to abolish pregnancy and marriages. Give them all they desire so that they stop blaming men for everything. Wow. Um, Yabinga says, Nomboniso sounds like a present day society was was consciously constructed by men to gang up and oppress women. Please comment. And Zintle's contribution this morning says, it's all very fine for women to help sort out the mess uh, that men have made, but not at the expense of the motherhood mandate that God has given us. And then KB says, uh, we are going backwards. There's a noticeable rise uh, of misogyny, patriarchy since 2009. Just look at the now defunct ANC Women's League. It's sad, very sad. And, um, you know, still on that, uh, some of the uh, tweets coming through. Uh, Rantle says, it's interesting that your caller Len sees only a competent pool of men within the DA from which uh, Helen Zilla could have chosen. And um, May says, we had a ministry of women, children and people with disability, which was led by a woman and did not achieve much. What does that say? Zegzo uh, says gender inequality is often reduced to professional ladder issues rather than real issues affecting women, such as rape, violence, wealth, etc. And Mlungi Sekwala says women themselves don't trust women to lead them. And perhaps that's where the problem lies. On the Forum at 8 this morning, a discussion about the gender agenda in South Africa. And our guests this morning, Nomboni Sokasa and uh, Janine Hicks. And I just want to read a few more of these messages before I get back to the panel. Uh, Sibonello says, Our women are free constitutionally as such, and it is up to them to emancipate themselves from patriarchy and mental slavery. Chinemo Elia says, A lot has been done to improve gender equality, but still believe it's successful and educated women who are are independent and Tebza Mashiko uh, Rome was not built in a day slowly but surely we're getting there by uplifting women in various sectors of life and uh, this one here from uh, Fourth Love of Jazz says women have made strides but I wish they were more they were more equipped for higher position to be leaders not just managers interesting comment that one Stanley Siwe uh, Kuseni says I agree women are used by men for their agendas current president made a statement about women leadership just to gain sympathy. David M. Seleka Jr.'s contribution, he says a women empowerment will only be realized the day that men themselves are empowered on how to empower women. And Tando MN says it's not good in, enough to 
only be concerned with women representation in boardrooms. 67% of unemployed are women. And Tlantlain Mafikeng, the biggest obstacle to women progress and advancement is in the main caused by other women. In fact, those women who have attained their full potential did so because of support from men generally. And then uh, Mabane Gazi from uh, Mtata says, women are still far behind men when it comes to equal recognition. Uh, Case in point, Portia Mudise, apparently top goal scorer in Africa. That is a fact, actually. Men included. But it is her, uh, is her financial purse reflective of that particular accolade? Nelson says, culturally, a man is a provider. And uh, once he's unable to do that, he considers himself and uh, society considers him as less of a man. While women who owns more than their husband uh, moan for being providers without addressing issues. And uh, many more apologies that we can't uh, read through all of them. Uh, but this one here says, deserving women and men should occupy in prevention positions without emphasis on gender we have seen women in parliament who sound very stupid and so do some men as well well uh, then we only have a minute each to our guests to uh, potentially respond and wrap up for us nobody so well i just want to say make one point very quickly i think the narom has raised a number of issues that she has been raising since pre-1994 um some of which i agree and some of which i disagree I do think that actually a lot of in-depth studies have been done um, on a whole range of issues that she has raised, and I encourage you to look at those. The caller from Cape Town, um, I can only say, the gentleman, that um, it is your opinion that um, Helen Zilla is the smartest woman um, in the country. It is your opinion that it is okay to use meritocracy to exclude others. Uh, but actually research shows that people who base their policies and their approach on merit and merit alone um, don't necessarily pick the best that they can have. It is also your opinion and that of Helen Ziller and that of DA that um, the people that DA had in their cabinet are necessarily the best in the country. And finally, I do believe um, that like the ANC and like everybody else, I am very obsessed with race and I'm very obsessed with gender. I'm very obsessed with homophobia and I'm very obsessed with um, um, with, uh, with inequality because it is when those things become our main preoccupation in society that we can change it. So if that is called obsession, I'm very happy to be in that company. Thank you. Janine? Thank you. Um, yes, just to pick up on a few points, I think, um, you know, and this relates to our argument around substantive equality. Yes, their formal equality is important and we're seeing great progress there. But for substantive equality, the lived experience of equality of ordinary women, we've got to make sure that we've got measures in place to ensure that our socioeconomic rights of women are realized. Um, and Nina spoke to issues such as education. We need to see a transformation within our education systems at that basic education level level to understand sexism, inequality, gender-based violence. You know, it's at that primary education level where those um, principles and perceptions around gender and gender roles and gender norms get formed. So we need to see investment in policy in ensuring that we've got an education system that gives our boys and our girls for the future. Mm. We need to see investment in places of safety um, so that there are options for women so that they're not trapped because of their economic situations to remain 
in, in, in situations of violence. The last point I wanted to pick up on, and it's come up twice, is this issue of absent women, that if by enabling women and encouraging women to advance within society that we somehow disadvantage, uh, disadvantaging families. There are two points around that. You know what, Janine? Yeah? I'm going to ask you to hold that thought because I think that warrants a discussion all of its own. So we'll come back to that particular matter. With that said, um, just to end it off, Taming Gomezulu says women question can't be addressed outside of the class analysis framework. Not even feminism can abolish patriarchy. And Aubrey Machito says uh, patriarchy, like its siblings, racism, homophobia, etc., is about thinking that the other is less human than you. And that's where we're going to leave it this morning. Thanks for your fantastic participation as always. And to the production team, to the lady who got a bouquet this morning, and Swaki, uh, thanks for making sure it went out loud and clear. That's it for, from us from this morning. Uh, back tomorrow. It's time for news with Vibakshini Chetty.